Good evening, church. Happy New Year. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, if you're using the Black Pew Bible, that's on page 1025. 1025. Our key verse tonight will be verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Speaking of all the, the sickness and some of the affliction going on, I think this word from the Lord will be appropriate tonight. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. In 2019... At just 29 years old, the next Tom Brady quit football for good. Andrew Luck was the next big thing. The guy was a former number one pick, already tons of success at a young age. Really and truly on the cusp, probably multiple, multiple Super Bowls, MVPs. Some scouts think he was the best player that they ever saw at the position. All that came with being the best in the world at what you do. He, he, he was right there. Then out of nowhere, I remember this. Some of you guys might remember that. I'm sure Ian remembers that. To the shock of the sports world, he gave it all up. He retired. Why? Why would he do that? At first, nobody really knew. There's a lot of speculation at, You'd hear the people calling him crazy, and some were even saying he was stupid. How could he give up all that money and his family, and how could he walk away from such a future? It it really didn't make sense. Well, Andrew Luck wasn't crazy, and as a Stanford grad in architectural design, he certainly wasn't stupid. See, this is what the talking heads couldn't know, what nobody in this room could actually know. Unless you played the brutal sport of NFL football, you just have no idea the toll that that takes on your body. Hit after hit after hit. From the, These are the strongest, fastest athletes in the world. This had mangled his body. He was in chronic pain every single day. Remember, he's 29 years old, so he's staring at his 30s with the prospect of just that getting way worse. Just, just wasn't worth it anymore. But here's the thing, for for luck, that actually wasn't the main thing. Here's the the most fascinating tidbit of this whole story that that I think a lot of people missed. Reporter asked him this, when, when, when pressed into describing his decision, luck said this, I just didn't like the man I was becoming. The man I was becoming. See, it wasn't just the injuries. It wasn't, it wasn't just that. It was what the constant weekly wear and tear on his body. His body was wearing away as he's playing. But it wasn't just that. It was what that was doing to him inside. The, the crushing of his body was crushing his spirit. And all that takes us back to our verse. And on the surface, this is wild. This is one of the great paradoxes. There's many paradoxes in the Christian faith. This is one of the main ones, I think. While it's just normal 
It's just normal in our sin-cursed world for physical pain and suffering and aging and dying. All that has a negative correlation with our inner self. And that creates distress and unhappiness. That makes sense. I mean, Luck was dead on and extremely perceptive to realize that in his own life. and, And he walked away. But verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4.16 is saying this. That for the Christian, the exact opposite is true. This really is astounding. God is saying that while, yes, the outer man is being destroyed. Yes, your body is falling apart. Yes, you're in physical pain. Even in the context, that, that, that would include persecution possibly pending death from enemies? Yes, we're dying. Gradually. But, at the same time, while all that is happening, something way more important is happening spiritually. If you're in Christ tonight, if you're a Christian, meaning you've been born again, you've been given a new heart new nature, you're a new inner person, a new creature in Christ. If that's you, then in a somewhat mysterious way, your physical suffering is actually producing growth in your spiritual self. God just flips the script like only our God can do. The correlation is actually now positive with our bodily pain and suffering. I mean, that, what a paradox, but it's just what the text says. N- notice the verb tenses here. Notice the verb tenses. Is being destroyed. Is being renewed. See, those tenses indicate that the action is ongoing into the future. Th- this isn't just a one-time event, a one-time thing, but, but this is a progressive change that's happening. This is progressive sanctification. That's just the way that God gradually more and more makes us more like Christ, more like his son. And also notice in our verse, it's in the passive voice. So so the objects, the, the receivers of the action are actually being highlighted. Our outer self is being destroyed. Our inner self is being renewed. But notice, it's not us doing the destroying or the renewing. Both of these actions are are just happening to us. The destruction of our bodies is just happening. I mean, look around. Sin sin has affected everything. Just being alive in this world on any given day, you're you're risking dying. And eventually, whether it's disease, an accident, foul play, aging, or whatever else, 100% of the time, your body will be destroyed. But while that's happening, the God of the universe is also happening. His Holy Spirit is renewing your spirit day by day by day by day by day. This is, this is tremendous news in a world that's full of suffering. Tremendous promise. Think about this. This is a tremendous promise to lean on in a world that's increasingly against the Christian way. I mean, what a truth this is for us as Exiles as pilgrims as we go on. If if things get really bad, they might. 
What's going to get us through? What's going to keep us going? It's got to be this promise. No matter how bad things get, God is doing something in me if I'm in Christ. That, that makes the suffering like a raindrop in the ocean of God's providential care for my life. That, that has to become more and more real to me, to you. If we don't believe this, if you don't believe this tonight, if you can honestly say, Adam, you won't make it. You'll give up. The longer I'm a Christian, the, the more I pray this simple prayer. You guys, I'm sure, pray this prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I pray it so often because so often I feel like this. I feel like I know I'm saved. I know I'm in Christ. God has done too much. God's spirit is in me. He's witnessing with my spirit that I'm a child of God. I know that. I believe. But man, why don't I believe? Like, why, why don't I live every day like I believe? Help me, Lord. Be honest with how you're feeling with God. He already knows it. Be raw with him. You can be raw with him. He's your father. The reason we need God's help is because we're just so prone. We're humans. We're so prone to put the most weight, the most value on what we can see, on what we can touch. And we can see our bodies being destroyed. It's not hard to see that. We, we can feel, we could feel that. Sometimes we might feel it in our bones in the morning. As soon as I hit 30, that was it. I bet there is guilt. And, and think about this. In our internet age, this age we live in, unlike anything else in history, with one swipe of our screens, we can take in so much sadness so much suffering, so much from every corner of the globe that it's just unbearable. We just weren't created with, with that capacity for constant information, constant sadness. But our text says, we don't give up. It actually says, therefore, we do not give up. So the classic question, well, why therefore? What, what, what's it there for? What, what comes before it? What comes before the therefore to give us some ballast in our boat of faith so that we don't give up? How was Paul saying we don't give up? Look up to verse 7. I think the context will be helpful for us here. Look up to verse 7 and we're going to actually read down to our verse. How don't we give up? Now we have this treasure in clay jars. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. So that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. For we know 
that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Do you see? Paul's saying that no matter what happens, God is doing something far greater than your eyes can see. And and his confidence culminates in, I love verse 14. We know that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to raise us with you. So that means if our bodies die, Paul's saying if we actually die for your sake, for the gospel's sake, so you can believe in him, then praise God, we live. And brother and sister in Christ, your union with Christ, maybe the most important doctrine in the New Testament, your union with him in his death and resurrection means that in sickness, in suffering, in persecution, in even death, you live. Nothing, guys, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Ever, ever, hallelujah. Therefore, we do not give up. We can't give up if all this is true, and it is. So let's close by just quickly looking at the last verses of the chapter. Look at how Paul concludes. Start with the second part of verse 16. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Church, don't we want that focus for 2023? Isn't that a glorious vision? More more focused on the eternal than the temporary. I get that we all do the New Year's thing. I actually think it's a great time to reset, to make some good changes. I I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm going to take advantage of the YMCA down the street. The hopes and dreams, maybe I'll get my body healthier. Probably not going to happen. But body discipline is of some value, right? It's good. It matters. That stuff all matters. But wouldn't it be awesome to be more focused on heaven and the glories awaiting us there than, than, than on these bodies that are slowly returning to dust? Than on next year's savings account? Than on that Disney World or cruise ship in the Bahamas vacation in the summer? Or, or, or being the best me possible, best version of me in 2023? Those things are fine. They're fine. They really are. With the right balance of perspective, they may be fine. But But get this, they're still in the realm of things that are seen. All of it is passing away. Why not dream bigger? The vision of of being so captivated by the eternal that the things of earth just grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. May God help us do that in this new year. Father, we... We need your help. 
we need your help with this, Lord, left to our own devices. We will just look to what we can see and what we can touch. But God, help us, Lord. By your spirit, may we see. May we see Christ. May we see the future ahead of us that we have in him. May we see heaven. Lord, give us eyes to see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.